Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Is the corona pandemic a plague that is mentioned by the prophet John in Revelation? Viruses, fear, food shortages, economic collapse, are these the end times that the Bible has warned about? Is coronavirus a plague from end times in Revelations? Well, I don't have an answer for you. I'm not God and I'm not a prophet. I wrote God, Faith, and Reason because I was searching for God. But the scriptures have quotes about plagues that give insight into the causes and significance of disease and pandemics. And in other hard times, your ancestors turned to the the word of God for the answers, not for the, to the word of uh, Newsom, not to the word of Trump, not to the word of Cuomo, but to the word of God. Why do you think this book has survived the test of time? Because man has limitations. God has no limitations. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. That would be Cuomo and Newsom. I am the Messiah. They think they're the Messiah. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, Jesus said, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Matthew 24, 4, 8. Well, my friends, we don't know what's coming, but it certainly seems to me that this is just the beginning of not the end of this thing. And there's a very high likelihood that nation will rise against nation over this thing. Certainly a high likelihood that China and America will come to blows over this thing. No question about it. The fact of the matter is, some are saying it was a deliberate attack toward the United States and the Western European nations to throw off the counterbalance that was in place. We know that China has been running WHO since the beginning of this in early November. And that is why WHO came out very early on and changed it from the Wuhan virus to COVID-19. How do you think the name got changed? WHO did it. Who is it who controls the manufacturing indices for pharmaceuticals such as the uh, quinolins? Who do you think controls the conchona? They do. Who controls the synthetic analogs? They do. You've seen the report of the Chinese fighter pilot threatening to drop EMP bombs on U.S. Navy ships in the South China Sea. This is only week one on the Wuhan timeline calendar. I'm Michael Savage. Thank you very much for listening. We shall prevail. America is the greatest nation on earth. We will win. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation based upon uh, our models, based upon our trend lines, based upon some new information that came in as it relates to those models from John Hopkins and among others, uh, we felt it was appropriate uh, to raise the ante uh, and do what we can to bend that curve. Let me remind you, the numbers we put out today uh, assume that we're just along for the ride. We're not. 
We want to manipulate those numbers down. That's what this order is all about. The projection said we will have, but we don't live by projection. Again, I began this uh, by saying uh, we are not victims of fate or circumstance. The future is something inside of us. It's our decisions that will determine uh, those projections. Uh, and that's why we decided today to make this decision. You know, if a foreign power wanted to take over the country and knew they could do so by scaring America to death with a virus that is not as lethal as these Democrat governors, these demagogue governors are telling us, they couldn't do a better job. Let me explain something to you. Governor Newsom doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. These lockdowns that he is emplacing are an overreaction of him and Cuomo in New York. Notice it's two liberal Democrat governors who are doing this power grab based upon projections. Now, they're citing South Korea as, a, as an example. They're saying South Korea is uh, wonderful in its response to this crisis. They slowed the curve of uh, disease transmission. But guess what? In South Korea, they're not shutting everything down. The South Koreans are still going to work, but they're testing everyone. And pay attention to Governor Newsom, because I know more than your geniuses do. They're not quarantining the entire nation, just those who need to be quarantined. That's what should be done in this country. We should be quarantining those who test positive and the vulnerable communities who are at higher risk than the general population. There is absolutely no reason nor precedence for what is happening in this nation today. Welcome to the Savage Nation. That is one topic I am going to discuss, which is the power grab by Newsom and Cuomo and others to lock down their states under the guise of a crisis such as this. Again, there is a solution that is a middle ground, the important middle ground, Governor Newsom. You're a good liberal. You understand what the Dow means, T-A-O, not the Dow Jones, not the Dow Jones, but the Dow, the middle ground. You lock down those who are testing positive, Governor Newsom and Governor Cuomo, and the vulnerable communities. Not all are at equal risk. This is outrageous. This is greatly crazy. Also, over the last few days, because I'm an expert in the field of botanical medicines and have been for many years, I have been researching this rush towards the use of uh, quinones in the treatment of this disease. Not so fast, President Trump. You're being misadvised by some of your advisors. I will talk with the audience today on the Savage Nation. Hope people in the government hear me. This is a huge decision to make because the hydroxychloroquine interacts with many prescription drugs in a negative way. Number two, for all of you out there who don't understand botanical medicine, hydrochloroquine, Plaquenil, may be safe and effective for short-term use. But my concern is that the media hype will have people think that if they double or triple the safe dosage, they'll be safer from this virus. That's how Americans work. Watch out for the new miracle cure for the Wuhan virus that the White House and others are announcing. It can cause retinal damage, number one. It can have t uh, liver damage, number two. It is not uh, recommended for those with heart disease, number three. And remember, there is not one person on the president's 
committee who knows anything about botanical medicine at all. Nothing. Zero. I have studied botanical medicine for over 40 years. Does it make me the world's expert? No, but I know how to find the answers faster than anyone on this commission. And I am saying not so fast, President Trump. Don't be misadvised by your uh, people who are telling you this old malaria drug is the miracle cure. Now, there's another element to this that's worth discussing. We know that this virus came out of Wuhan, China, and it's pronounced Wuhan, whatever. Let's just say Wuhan, China. Now it's the Chinese government who are telling us they have the cure in the form of conchona bark or quinine in uh, regards to natural products. The natural version of this drug is quinine, of course, which was used to treat malaria. I'm going to tell you a lot about that later on because I've been fascinated with quinine for 40 years. But the synthetic analog of quinine, which is the drug that we are talking about, which is widely used, incidentally, uh, but with great caution. Plaquenil was also given to our troops in Vietnam. Many troops have told me it didn't work to begin with or left them with terrible side effects. So hydroxychloroquine, Plaquenil, is a synthetic analog of the natural product called quinine, which comes from conchona bark, which I'm going to tell you more about a little later on. It's an extremely important story uh, in both regards as to the value of natural medicines, number one, and of course, the rush to judgment to jump on a drug that may or may not work. However, before I take uh, a, a siesta here on this topic and get back to the civil liberties issue, which is a much bigger issue right now, I think that we are giving up our freedoms without a whimper. And that's the element here. We're giving up our freedoms without a whimper. We're destroying our economy without a whimper. I talked the other day on the Savage Nation about China paying for the coronavirus uh, uh, debacle, the SARS-CoV-19 illness. China released it on the world by accident, or there is argument to be made that it was produced in a biowarfare laboratory and released by accident. In either case, it came from China, so what's the difference? They hold $1.1 trillion of our debt. Uh, I had a congressman on on Wednesday who talked about reparations. What's wrong with that? Now I want to go to some of the things that some of the foolish left-wing governors are saying, but this is exactly what you would expect from Cuomo. This is what you'd expect from Newsom. This is what you'd expect from de Blasio. Uh, they immediately rush to nationalize. They rush to centralize, and they rush to take control of your life. Let me explain something to you. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense whatsoever. The fact of the matter is we are looking at a debacle here in this nation on an economic level that we haven't seen in our lifetime, okay? So what's this rush to close our society down? Where did this come from? Uh, where did this come from? It, this used to be a nation where it was the, um, what was it, the most good for the most people? Remember that one? Now it's what, the most good for the fewest people? Do you know that Cuomo had the nerve to say that if he saves just one life with locking the entire state of New York down, it'll be worth it to him? Do you realize how insane that is? This is the same governor who says that killing millions of unborn children is a perfect right of women. Listen to me. He's full of crap. It's nothing about saving one life. It's about controlling millions of lives. That's all these demagogues have ever dreamed of. It's nothing more than controlling the lives of millions and millions of people. And it's the same in California with Governor Newsom, who doesn't know what the hell he's doing with regard to this. He read one Johns Hopkins projection from one epidemiological study on one computer program, 
And for that reason alone, he acts like Mussolini. Isn't it odd that a man who poses as a liberal, who's into liberalism and freedom, takes away our freedoms like this? Don't you find all of this rather strange? I do. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but I assure you there's going to be some kind of reaction in this nation. At some point, the people will rebel against this lockdown crap. I will say again, you don't have to lock down the whole nation. This is the decision making of a demagogue. What you do is you quarantine those who A, test positive, B, those who have been exposed to those who tested positive, and the vulnerable communities in your state. It's not the entire state. It's not everyone. This is insanity. And if I have to be the lone voice saying that, it won't be the first time. If you get a comment on this tragic destruction of our civil liberties by two, quote, liberal governors who think they're going to be president because they've acted out the inner Mussolini's in themselves, the phone number is 855-400-7282. Again, if you want to talk about the miracle drug that is out there, and I will debunk that rapidly with you, I will also talk about it rationally with you. Uh, it started the other day with drug use to originally fight malaria, showing promise in treating coronavirus. Uh, immediately, guys like Hannity jumped on it and said, oh, we've got a three-pronged approach. Right away, he was repeating the talking points of the White House. The know-nothings who were college dropouts or high school dropouts are now experts in phytochemistry. Not so fast, Mr. Hannity. Not so fast, America. This is the Savage Nation. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. You know, your dog's health is as important as every other member of your family, and it starts with whether you feed them. Of course it does. But do you really know what's in your dog's food? Ollie puts dogs first with vet-formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients on the label to give your dog the healthiest food possible. Ollie makes fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that even people can eat and then deliver them to you on a regular schedule. They beat out store-bought dog food at a 10 to 1 ratio on the palatability scale. They taste better. They are better because they create customized vet-formulated recipes made with all natural ingredients. There are no preservatives. They're sourced from U.S. family farms. Just go to myolly.com, M-Y-O-L-L-I-E, myolly.com, myolly.com. Answer a few questions about your dog, and they'll customize recipes to your dog, and then they'll ship you pre-proportioned meals so your pup gets the perfect portion every time. My Ollie has delivered 5 million meals and counting. Shipping is free. And if your dog doesn't like the meals, they have a money-back guarantee. Go to myollie.com slash try slash Savage Nation. Ollie is offering our listeners 50% off. You've got to get this deal if you love your dog. It's spelled myollie, M-Y-O-L-L-I-E, dot com slash try slash savage nation your dog's gonna love you wild free california governor newsom turning us into a police state a fascist state what you woke up one morning and decided you're now mussolini all these liberals have inner mussolinis that they couldn't wait to enact this is insanity and we're going to talk about that a friend of mine just wrote he said savage you're the only voice of reason out there he says 
A nation of sheep begets, begets a nation of a government of wolves. A nation of sheep begets a government of wolves. Let me give you an example. I went to a sporting goods store yesterday to buy ammunition for the range because I have to requalify for a certain license that I have. I had to buy 50 rounds of different uh, calibers. So I called the store and he says, let me check. Oh, yeah, we got 380, we got 357, we got 45s, we got shotgun shells. I said, do you have enough? He said, yeah. I give him my name, I'll be in. I go in. So, okay, there it is. There's a guy there from across the bridge over there in the other side of the uh, bay. He steps right up. They check his name. He walks out with bags of ammunition. I tell him what I want. He says, can I see your ID? Sure. I show him my California driver's license. He says, that's not valid. I said, what the hell are you talking about? He says, federally restricted. I said, well, what are you talking about? That's a picture of me, and I'm on the license. He said, yeah, but it says it's federally restricted. It's not a qualified license. I said, are you out of your mind? Why didn't you tell me that on the phone? He said, well, I don't know. You didn't ask. I said, so what do I need to provide for you? He says, a valid birth certificate or a valid passport with your driver's license. And then we'll send your name up to the state of California where the fascist goons can decide whether you're qualified, uh, permitted to buy ammunition. I said, oh, boy, what a country I'm living in. They took away my Second Amendment without my knowing it. So I said, wait a minute, you want me to bring in my birth certificate? Uh, okay, so I go and get my birth certificate when I get home. And there it says where I was born and when, at what time, in which hospital in New York City. And I realized there's no picture of me on it. So I said to the clerk at the sporting goods store, um, if I bring in my birth certificate, it doesn't have my picture on it because I had just been born and I look a little different right now. How are you going to confirm it's me? So listen what he says. He said, well, use your driver's license. I said, you just told me my driver's license is invalid. He says, that's what we use. This is the world we're living in now because of the liberal governments that we are trapped with in the worst state in the union. I want to reiterate, there is no reason to panic. There is no reason to panic. Did you hear me? This is a straight power grab by Newsom and Cuomo. And I will reiterate again, South Korea, which is being praised for its response to this crisis, is not shutting down the entire nation. People are still going to, going to work. But in South Korea, they are testing everyone. They are only quarantining those who need to be quarantined. That is the approach we should be taking in this country. These liberal Democrat fascists are intentionally driving a healthy economy into a recession, possible depression, and normal people into a prison cell. This is the perfect storm. I'm telling you to be wise and to take care of yourself. Take reasonable precautions. I want you to understand that the precautions that Governor Newsom and Cuomo are taking are unnecessary and very dangerous from the point of view of civil liberties. That's one man's opinion. Giovanna in Marin County, line nine, go ahead, please. You're on the Savage Nation. Michael, you indeed are the voice of reason. I am so upset about this that I can hardly speak, and I speak to my friends, and nobody questions this. Nobody questions. And well, I These are the <laughs> same liberals in Marin County who always question um, Donald Trump, no matter what he does. But when these liberal fascists come out and say, stay home like a scared cat, give up your civil liberties, give up your rights to be an American, they hide at home like little cowards. You are so right. And God bless you, Michael. Because I don't want to be blessed. I want this to stop. 
I want to know where the hell they think they have the power to do this to me. You know, I drive around in this county trying to get groceries. I, you know, I'm still allowed to go to essential services. I can get gas. I can get groceries. So I go in the morning because I like to buy fresh fish in my market. Last night I cooked fresh petroleum sole. It was great. That's not the point. The roads are empty. It's like the day the earth stood still. It's like a foreign power has taken over the country. And I drive around in disbelief how an entire state can comply so quickly with one edict from one man who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Where is Where are the checks and balances on this? Why has there been no discussion about the need or not need to lock down an entire state instead of just those who are at risk or those who have shown to be positive or those exposed to these be positive? Where did this come from that the people complied so quickly with this kind of fascism? Because make no mistake about it, this is the face of fascism. It's not Donald Trump. These are the real fascists. They always have been. But it gets even worse. de Blasio, the known communist, called for the nationalization of medical supply companies. Sean Penn, the stone maniac. Sean Penn all of a sudden pops up out of the woodwork, out of a pot high, and also wants nationalization, as do all of the left-wing fascists in this country. Now, remember who the hell Sean Penn is. Here's a man who went to uh, 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 Cuba. Here's a man who went to Venezuela and, and glorified fascism in those countries. Here's a man who went to a drug lord, worked with him. Now suddenly he's an expert on how a civil society should work. When are you people going to understand that liberals are not your friend? They have always been crypto-fascists. Michael Savage, a host like no other. If help doesn't come, we're going to lose people who should not die. People will die who should not die. Because in two or three weeks, my hospitals, some of the finest in the nation, will run out of ventilators, surgical masks, mm -hmm. other protective gear, all the things that we need to run a hospital and provide care. And it will endanger our healthcare workers. And they're showing up. They keep coming to work. And retirees, we asked retirees to come forward from the healthcare field. Okay, and over 2,000 so already in 48 hours have said, we volunteer, we're coming back to do this work to protect people. But where the hell is the federal government in the middle of the biggest crisis we've seen in generations? And his answer is to nationalize the manufacturers of uh, equipment that we need to uh, ventilators and masks. This is what they did in Venezuela. How'd that work out for the Venezuelan people? This is what they did in the Soviet Union. How'd that work out for the uh, Soviets, meaning the Russian people? This is what they did in Cuba. How are they doing in Cuba with the nationalization of healthcare down there? Uh, they can hardly manufacture uh, anything in, 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 in Cuba. They don't make any medications, no drugs, no discoveries, nothing. Now, there's a couple of other stories that we've got to get to in a minute, which is four senators who dumped millions in stocks while Capitol Hill was being briefed on the coronavirus threat, but before markets started tanking. It's one of the most astonishing examples of corruption that has come to light in my lifetime. And I think you know all of the names. Three of them are Republicans. One is a Democrat, Feinstein. Feinstein had the gall, the gall, the yitzes to have to, to say that she knew nothing about it. It was her husband who did it. She had the yitzes to say a thing like that. Feinstein cashed in over $5 million, her husband over $5 million in stock. Are you listening to this? And you can't find it in the local newspaper. 
How long have I told you there is no local newspaper? Go see if you can find it in the San Francisco Chronicle. Go see if you can find it. Uh, Feinstein, a California Democrat, sold 500000 to $1 million worth of stock in a company called Allergene Therapeutics on January 31, less than a month before panic about the virus caused markets to plunge. Senate record show. Her husband sold $1 million to $5 million worth of Allergene shares on Feb 18, according to financial disclosures. But then she's not alone. She is not alone. But she has the nerve to say she knew nothing about it. She knows nothing about her husband's financial transactions. How long have I told you about this odd couple here from San Francisco? She says, my husband in January and February sold shares of a cancer therapy company. The company is unrelated to any work on the coronavirus, and the sale was unrelated to the situation. Well, it's unrelated to the coronavirus, but you kind of knew if the virus uh, panic was coming on the Senate Intelligence Committee that the market would tank. Wouldn't you think that that's an insider trading? And by the way, there's also uh, Senator Kelly Loeffler, whose husband uh, runs the stock exchange. There's Senator Richard Burr. There's Senator Jim Inhofe. So don't think I'm making it a, a partisan issue. Now, before you decide what to decide, should I remind you that Martha Stewart went to prison for a $40,000 insider trading deal? $40,000 insider trading deal. Uh-huh. Well, that's how America works. Yeah. Okay, now let's move on. So we're talking about drugs now to treat this. And initially, everyone jumped on the uh, quinolins, the uh, quinolins, the uh, synthetic analogs of quinine. And everyone thought they had a miracle cure. And as someone who's a botanical expert who spent years working in laboratories extracting alkaloids and other components of leaves, barks, uh, stems, and herbs of other kinds, I know a little bit about the field. And I will tell you the way that quinine, for example, if you know anything about Plaquil, that's chloroquine, uh, is a derivative of quinine it's a synthetic analog of quinine uh the way you extract it think of a let's say you like drug cartel movies uh of coca paste being made right and you see the leaves being gathered and then the poor peasants out in the jungle laboratories are extracting uh the chemical alkaloids for example cocaine from the coca leaf with very toxic chemicals that's exactly how it's done, by the way. That's how you extract chemicals from um, plants. I, I did it myself in laboratories. It's not done like that in labs. Or you do it with different equipment. But it's a fascinating process. Very toxic chemicals are used, which don't remain in the final product. But that's not the point. The point is I'm very familiar with how this is done, and I know the history of quinine. It's a fascinating drug. Maybe uh, just for a moment, a little diversion here on this Friday for all of you who are home listening, trapped in your houses because of the fascists who are running your state. Um, you may not know where it came from. In 1638, Anna, Countess of Quinchon, wife of the Viceroy of Peru, was cured of malaria by the powdered bark of uh, the Quinchona tree. Discovered in Peru by the Jesuit missionaries between 1600 and 1630. Again, the evil Christian missionaries gave another great gift to the world. And soon thereafter, it was introduced into Europe, again, through the discovery by the Jesuit missionaries. And, of course, when you say discovered, they mean they discovered that the local indigenous people were using it to treat malaria. That's how it works. 
So Anna, the Countess of Kinshone, that's where the word Kinshona comes from, wife of the Viceroy of Peru, cured of malaria. She's instrumental in having the drug sent to Spain. And then in 1820, Pelletier and Caventou, professors in the Paris School of Pharmacy, they isolate quinine from uh, the uh, bark. And uh, then uh, there are other developments, and I'm not going to bore you with it. In 1944, it was synthesized by American chemists because U.S. troops were suffering terribly from malaria in their fighting in uh, the South Pacific, particularly, and in parts of Southern Asia. And uh, there was a cure that was necessary. And, of course, the supplies of the Conchona bark were very limited. So American chemists rushed in their research, and they developed a synthetic analog of quinine, which is what we use today. You don't have to get it from the bark anymore. But I will remind you, and this is an interesting side note, China, which gave us the virus, was the first to tell us we should be looking at Conchona bark for the cure. Take a guess who controls the plantations of Conchona bark in Indonesia. Take a guess, and you'll find out the very same hands that gave us the virus control the plantations of the Conchona bark. That's a little bit of economic botany, a field I'm very familiar with. Economic botany always has fascinated me. So drugs used to originally fight malaria, showing promise in treating coronavirus, Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation says. Okay, all good. And then you look into how it works, and that's the only part I want to do here before we go back to the social aspects of this and the medical aspects of this. How does it work, actually? How does this old drug, in its synthetic analog, chloroquine phosphate, and the other one that I mentioned to you, right? How do they actually work? How do these quinoline, quinoline drugs work? You, you should know this. It's simple. It's a fascinating uh, a study. When malaria gets inside a cell, meaning the plasmodium gets inside a cell, if you change the pH of the cell with a drug like chloroquine phosphate, the malaria can't live. So what does it have to do with COVID-19? More specifically, SARS-CoV-2. The same goes for a virus like SARS-CoV-2. If you change the pH of the cell, the virus cannot assemble. And if it can't assemble itself, it can't infect you. So, therefore, we could also be looking at other ways to changing the pH of our cells. And I know your, your minds are racing wildly with uh, vinegar and this and that. And you may be right. You may be right about that. It's long been known that the acid-base balance is intimately involved in all disease. In fact, I learned 40 years ago about cancer from a very, at that time, there was a 90-year-old Italian doctor in Manhattan who was trying to tell the world about his cure for cancers by changing and altering the pH of the cells of the body of his cancer patients. He was called every name under the sun. He was called a quack and a nut and a this, and they wanted to jail him. But of course, he was 40, 50 years ahead of his time. pH has everything to do with our cellular health and our cellular balance. But with regard to this particular case, you've got a virus that's entering our cells. Don't you understand that we encounter viruses all the time, that we have encountered viruses ever since we've been infants, and that most of us have the immune systems necessary to uh, fight the viruses before they can grow in any numbers to debilitate us? So now you have to ask the question, why is this SARS-CoV virus so different. 
Why is it so uh, prevalent all of a sudden? Number two, why is it proliferating so rapidly? Well, that's because it's a new virus, which may or may not have been man-made. But in either case, we have no resistance to it. Our, de- our defense systems don't know how to fight it. We don't have the proper antibodies. We don't have the proper antibodies to this. It's almost, if you want to look at it another way, uh, you want to look at it on a cosmic scale, uh, and I don't want to go there because you'll say I'm, I'm agreeing with this, but it's starting to dawn on me, maybe it's God's will. I know I tend to go there a little too much, but there seems to be an irony in all of this. Here we have a nation that did so many horrible things to so many indigenous peoples on the way to creating this great nation of ours, and we're not alone in that, and I've told you that before. There's not a nation on earth that was not founded in blood. I don't care what the nation is. Every nation was founded upon blood and conquest. But this nation is no different. Uh, smallpox in the blankets of the Indians given by the U.S. Army, the U.S. Cavalry, more specifically. We know about that. We know about the decimation of the Pacific Islanders by European uh, whalers. Well, I mean, I told you I've been in some of the most remote, remote islands on, on earth. You say, oh, big deal. Oh, yeah, it is a big deal. I was in the Marquesas in the late 60s. Take a look at the Marquesas. Thank God it's off the tourist path. And it's an interesting story because there were over a million people in the Marquesas, and these were tall, phenomenally heroic-looking people. They were right out of, uh, I don't know, a painting, a Da Vinci painting of some heroic Greeks. That's what they look like. Well, after the Europeans introduced smallpox by accident, there were only 20,000 of them left. They died like flies in a Petri dish. Why? Because the Marquesans, as strong as they were, having lived in isolation from the beginning of uh, known history, before history, prehistory, because they lived in such isolation, they did not develop any immunity to this new, this new uh, smallpox that was brought into them. And they w- got wiped out like Drosophila in, a, in an agar plate, exposed to uh, iodine, let's say. And many ways, we're like those Marquesans in a way. We're not falling like flies. Most of us will recover from this. But, you know, that begs another question that needs to be asked. How bad is this virus? How bad is this disease, rather, once you uh, get the virus? Can any of us fight it off naturally? Which ones of us are contracting it and fighting it off with our own immune systems? And who are these people, the, quote, survivors? We don't know. Not yet. Too early. But there are amongst us. There's people who've been exposed who are not getting sick. Uh, It's during the SARS epidemic. I have a friend. He's in his 90s right now. One of the toughest men I ever met. Little guy, by the way. He's five foot two, whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh, small guy. He went to China during the SARS epidemic. Came out without a running nose. Nothing. He's one of those guys. He's a resistor. It's like nothing could get him. I love this guy. So many of you are also resistors. It doesn't mean you're going to fall on the wayside and die like a Drosophila fly. But who are you and why? And what's your genetic makeup? And what is the secret? We don't know. Too soon. So there are a lot of questions, more questions than answers as usual, but this panic is totally out of control, totally out of control. Now, I want to go back to the beginning because those of you are going to say, wait wait a minute, you said that we shouldn't panic when someone was saying we shouldn't panic, you said we should panic. That is not what I said at all. If you listen to what I actually say and you check my uh, previous podcasts on this, I was saying let's have reasonable caution with this. And now we've become totally insane. And the knee-jerk liberal fascists like Cuomo and Newsom have jumped the shark 
and introduced a Mussolini-like fascism where it is not necessary. And I'm using the South Korean model because South Korea has not isolated nor quarantined their entire nation. This is insanity. The people need to kick back. They need to sue the states and they need to fight the state. And you need to be on the front line saying, wait a minute, this is crazy. You have no right to take away my freedoms. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So was it a deliberate leakage out of Wuhan? Was it a bioweapon? Gee, I don't know. But, you know, I'm a best-selling novelist as well as being the author of numerous nonfiction books and being a radio host. And I wrote four best-selling novels in a row, New York Times bestsellers. You wouldn't know it if you live in San Francisco, because like in the Soviet Union, they don't mention those whose politics they disagree with. They were the Jack Hatfield series. Well, one of them, Michael Savage, Countdown to Mecca, was exactly about what we are living through today. Countdown to Mecca, about the Chinese trying to release weaponized Ebola on America. You don't believe me? Read the novel. From the New York Times bestselling author of Abuse of Power in a Time for War and radio host of the Savage Nation comes a powerful new thriller. And it opens with a plane bound for Amon, Jordan, which goes down in the Caspian Sea. No survivors, but for a Russian mercenary who hijacked the flight. And there's only one man who can stop the terrorist attack that's planned. And that's Jack Hatfield, the freelance reporter who was very controversial, who was thrown off the air for making a politically incorrect statement about Islamic extremists. Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, people are in, they're listening to the radio, they're watching TV. I try to listen to the radio, I try to watch TV, I turn it off after about 30 seconds. It's not because they're bad people. It's because they don't know much about this disease and they're making believe that they do. And it's a very dangerous time uh, for this kind of insanity to be raging, especially when the biggest issue is really not the virus. It's the virus of the loss of our civil liberties as enacted by Cuomo and uh, Cal- uh, Newsom here in California. I have never seen people give up their freedom so quickly. All my life I've been told that if ever there was a attempt to take away our freedoms, why the militias would be activated. We've been hearing about armed militias all over the place, hearing about the gangs wouldn't take. And now everyone's hiding like little gray mice in their little rabbit wrens, hiding and hiding and hiding. You go to a supermarket, there they are with the masks and the gloves fighting over toilet paper. I went this morning to buy fish. I like fresh fish. Luckily, my market still has petroleum. It doesn't there. Today's the last day for a few days. And there was a woman staring at the toilet paper. You're limited to two packs of any of the items of that type. The middle-aged woman 
cart was empty except for two packs of toilet paper, two rolls, two whatever is a number of that, four packs. There were two more packs. She wouldn't let me get near him. I said, excuse me, can I go over there? I didn't buy. I didn't buy him in advance. So two left, I figured I'd grab him. She was reluctant to let me buy the other two rolls, but she knew she could only buy two packs herself. I check out. I see her in the parking lot wandering around aimlessly with her cart filled with nothing but those two packages of toilet paper. I cannot believe the insanity that I'm living through. But that's just a small symptom of what we're living through. Here we have two, quote, liberal Democrat governors who claim that they're for liberalism and freedom and liberation. Think about the word liberal. What does the word liberal mean? Liberation, right? They're supposedly the representatives of our freedoms. And they've called Trump a Nazi for all these years, a fascist, a Nazi, a Hitler, a Mussolini. That's all we heard from these liberals. So now when fascism actually arises without even a discussion. With the stroke of a pen, two ordinary men who happen to be sitting on their fat behinds in the governor's chair suddenly decide what they're going to do with 60, 70 million people's lives? Not a word from anyone saying not so fast. You don't have the power to do that. Not a single word of resistance from anybody. So where do we go from here? Go try to buy ammunition in California if you're afraid of the hordes. See if you can buy ammunition now after these liberal fascists have taken away our Second Amendment through a stealth manner. Go ahead. See if you can go buy ammunition. See what they've done to the Second Amendment. See what they've done to the First Amendment. And by the way, if you think they're finished, you're mistaken. Now that they are drunk on their power grab, I can guarantee you as I stand here, they're going to move to limit our First Amendment. I can guarantee you. That crazy Governor Newsom and crazy Governor Cuomo are going to say, you know what, in a time of national emergency, we're going to make sure that people do not talk about this epidemic unless they're certified uh, by us or by a government agency uh, to be dispensing reputable information. And so from now on, we're going to limit all the talk radio. No articles about it either unless it goes through central the central government. This could happen here. You say, it can't happen here? Oh, it can't happen here. It is happening here. And you did nothing. All of you freedom-loving Americans who thought that you'd stand up if foreign power came in and try to take away your freedom of association, freedom of movement. Think about, the, think about this. Your freedom of association was taken away by Governor Newsom because he woke up one morning and decided he wanted to do it. Your freedom of motion, your freedom of association. Your freedom to travel taken away by these governors and nobody said a word to him. There's not a civil libertarian in the state saying one word to him. Where's the ACLU, those lying thieves? Where are they now? Where are they? They're in, they're in favor of this fascism. Just last week, they said for the better good for most people, we should all be restricted. Oh, really? Are you sure of that? I'm not so sure of that because I'll go back to what I think is the rational middle approach to this uh, disease, this epidemic, this pandemic. And that is the middle way. What you do is you quarantine those who have tested positive, those who have been associated with those who've tested positive, and those in other at-risk communities, which would be, number one, which I've said for three weeks, the homeless community. Don't give them a pass. I'm being told I can't go to the grocery store while the bums are in the street buying and selling crack cocaine. Yeah. That's liberalism. Sure. The bum has more freedom than I do. The bum has the freedom 
to infect everyone in town, buy and sell crack cocaine. And I'm being told after watch out whether I go to the supermarket uh, or the uh, virus police are going to get me. That's the country I'm living in now. No, no, no. Remember, it used to be the, be the most good for the most people, the greatest good for the greatest number. That was a definition of democracy I learned in grade school. Democracy stood different from uh, dictatorships because we were told democracy was a place. I remember this in high school. You know, when you're in high school, you don't really listen. All you're interested in is other stuff, like the girl in front of you, you know, how her hair looks. That's all you're looking at. The scent of her perfume. You're listening to these old people in bad suits. Nah, not really. And I would, cause some stuff would come through to me. And one of the statements, the greatest good for the greatest number. I mean, that came through to me. And in the dictatorships like Russia, I was told it was the greatest good for the smallest number, meaning the uh, powerful, the elites, those who controlled the uh, Politburo. The greatest good for them is all that mattered. Well, this is what happened with the stroke of a pen from two governors. And no one challenged them. Suddenly, we think that this virus will kill us all. First of all, that is not true. Second of all, it is unnecessary to quarantine an entire state. And I do not think Trump is going to quarantine the nation. I, I hope he doesn't. I pray to God he does not follow suit of these two empty suits. This is the savage nation. Again, if you think this subject is foreign to me, on three fronts, it is not. I have been a civil libertarian my entire life. I've been a rebel my entire life. I've been an outcast my entire life. I think on my own my entire life. I'm an expert in uh, phytochemistry ever since I was in graduate school. And I'm a best-selling novelist who wrote a novel entitled <clears throat> Countdown to Mecca, which is about weaponized Ebola being introduced into America. It was published in 2015. Many of you bought the book. You probably can find it on your bookshelves. Pull it off and read it this weekend. Read about it, about the plane going down in the Caspian Sea. I'm not going to make any money on the old book you have in your cabinet. You can't even buy a new copy. I'm not caring about whether the book sells or not. But in terms of a predictability factor, someone who is prescient in so many ways, if I am not for myself, who will be you? Who my friends in the community here of talk radio, they're going to be for me? Those who know nothing about the field of botanical medicine are now experts on this. I couldn't believe my eyes. Fox News. For weeks, Sean Hannity is repeating the big lie of the government from two weeks before saying it's nothing. It's nothing to worry about. Don't worry about it. Don't panic. It'll go away. It's just like the flu. Then we hear he was yelled at by his boss. One of the Murdochs came in screaming bloody murder. That's a rumor. And told him to shut his mouth and get in line. The next day, he's on radio, on television, uh, the high school dropout, and he's telling everyone, we have a three-pronged cure for this illness, a three-pronged approach. Another expert now on uh, phytochemistry, Dr. Sean Hannity. Now, why am I pointing out the deficits of this particular man? Uh, you'll figure it out. It really doesn't matter because it's not about him. It's about the entire media. The entire media has got the bug. But it's not the bug called uh, COVID-19. It's the bug of hubris, where they think they're qualified to talk about these things in areas they know nothing about. It's shocking to me. Oh, we got a cure. We got a cure. We got a cure. Quinine's the cure. We got a cure. Instantly cure. We know all about it. One newspaper report, right, right away, they're all running like lemmings. They got the cure. Well, if you want to know the truth about it, study it. 
before you think you got the cure. Okay, we got a lot to talk about. The senator's story is a big story, but it's going nowhere. Why do you think it's going nowhere that four senators sold stock before they informed the public about this virus? Why is that not a story? Martha Stewart went to prison for insider trading because she made $40,000. Here you have Feinstein and her husband selling upwards of $10 million worth of stock before, she, before the government notified us about uh, this um, virus. And it's not a crime. No, 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 no. Well, that's because they determine what a crime is. Yeah. Statements from the four accused senators who dumped millions in stocks while Capitol Hill was being briefed on the coronavirus threat, but before markets started tanking. That would be Richard Burr, head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, sold up to 1.7 million stock. Dianne Feinstein sold up to 6 million stock. Kelly Loeffler, Senate Health Committee, sold up to 3 million stock. James Inhofe sold up to 400K in stock. They're all good people. Actually, three of them are good people. One of them is a real bad person. And uh, maybe they did nothing wrong here. I don't know. Maybe it was an automatic transmission. Maybe their stockbroker did it and I, they didn't know about it. I mean, you do have to give a person a benefit of the doubt unless they're a conservative. We don't get the benefit of the doubt. But in this case, it is possible that they didn't make these investment decisions. <laughs> Right. <laughs> when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Who's going to watch the watchers? <laughs> These are our watchers. Who Kies Epsos? Kies. Who's going to watch our watchers? Yeah, right. Sure. OK. So there's a lot of stories circulating now, you know. A lot of stories here. And um, some of them we can talk about some. We can. Does anyone have any questions for me on these botanical issues? Because I know a lot about it, about this malaria drug. Let me give you something I know something about that others don't know much about that I've been blessed to know something about because I spent so much of my life learning about it. And I can also fantasize about things as I did in Countdown to Mecca about weaponized Ebola. But I really only want to talk about one thing, which is not living well as the best revenge. If you see me on Twitter at, at a Savage Nation, you'll see what I cooked last night. Beauty, it's actually beautiful. It's restaurant level um, presentation. I got the four half-baked potatoes. They're small. You got your carrots and peas like Mama told you to eat when you're a boy. And then you got the petrali sole. That's something we have on the West Coast. That is so wonderful. Three minutes each side, boom, learned it from Italian chefs. But I made mine with capers, and um, you don't care about any of this. Well, let me tell you something. You got to learn how to do something during this time of being locked at home by Governor Newsom and Governor Cuomo. Don't you have to learn to do something? What are you going to listen to the radio all day long or watch Netflix? Day and night, why don't you learn how to cook again? It's a wonderful time to learn how to cook. It's an even better time to learn how to talk to people in your family. Put your iPhones down and turn the television and radio off. Just learn how to converse. Conversation is an art form. And the purpose of conversation is to talk, is to converse with each other, not to defeat the other person. We don't even know what conversation is in America. Nothing. We've lost all of the basic skills and arts of survival. I predict there's going to be massive... Well, I shouldn't even say it on this radio show because you know already what you're going through. People have no idea what to do without the distractions that they're used to. They're not used to sitting at home and being introspective. Introspection is an enemy of American consumerism. I've been introspective since I'm a little boy. People thought I was mentally uh, off because I would sit quietly for long periods of time and think. That was considered something wrong for a little boy. I mean, I played with others. I had games. But no, I was a very thoughtful young kid. 
because of tr- young tragedies in the family, I, I had to think about it. I had a sad mother and a sad this and a sad that. So I learned to handle it, how to deal with this kind of stuff. Became a thinker. I made model airplanes. I sat for hours making wooden balsa wood models. I'm not looking for a halo. I'm telling you to learn how to do things that maybe you did learn or you knew how to do when you were young. You know, make a model plane again. Pick up a pencil. Maybe you have some capacity for drawing. Or even shockingly enough, read a book. I know it's shocking. You know what a book is, right? It's those things that have printed words on them between pages that don't, they're not on a screen. Learn how to read a book again. You must have some in your house. Somewhere there must be a book. If all else fails, go through Granny's belongings. You know, the one who passed away? She probably left a book that she used to read a lot. It was called the Bible, you know, B-I-B-L-E, the thing you laughed at that Granny used to read a lot. People are going to find there may be something in this Bible that they can, um, I don't know, get some solace from in these difficult isolationist times. We are all alone right now. Why do you think the Rock of Ages has lasted these thousands of years? Why do you think all of these foolish Christians and Jews and prisoners even for that matter? that you laugh at, read this archaic book called the Bible. What's in this thing that you need now? There's too much in it for me to tell you what's in it now. What's in this? There's an awful lot in it. I like Isaiah. I've always liked Isaiah. Isaiah has always been my prophet. If Isaiah were alive today, he'd have the number one radio show in the the country. Oh, boy. Listen, I know I have to take a commercial break. Without it, there's no show. And I know many of you are home for the first time in years, and you're listening to radio live again. I promise you, I shall return. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So the scandal of the four senators who sold their stock and made a lot of money on dumping it before the market tank. It's interesting how propaganda works here in the San Francisco area. You know, we have no newspaper. It's run by Willie Brown and uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, the Democrat machine, more specifically. You can't find the story. And when you do, it's only about the Republican senators. You have to search within the article to see that uh, Dianne Feinstein was involved in the same. But again, they're all innocent until proven guilty. There's another big story. Trump and Fauci are differing on a possible game changer coronavirus drug. That's a very important story that I'd like to talk about. Because I agree with Fauci on this and disagree with the president, who I think has been totally misadvised in jumping on the um, anti-malarial quinolones to fight COVID-19. Somebody whispered in his ear too quickly, and Fauci is more cautious and more correct. I'll be right back, right here on The Savage Nation. Michael Savage, a host like no other. A drug called chloroquine, and some people would add to it hydroxy, hydroxychloroquine. So chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. Now, this is a common malaria drug. It's also a drug used for strong arthritis. Uh, somebody has pretty serious arthritis. Uh, also uses this in a somewhat different form. 
It is known as a malaria drug, and it's been around for a long time, and it's very powerful. But the nice part is it's been around for a long time. It might be effective. I'm not saying that it isn't. It might be effective. But as a scientist, as we're getting it out there, we need to do it in a way as while we are making it available for people who might want the hope that it might work, you're also collecting data that will ultimately show that it is truly effective and safe under the conditions of COVID-19. Well, for the first time, I actually agree with Fauci and disagree with the president. Well, that's my job. Um, My job is to not be a cheerleader for everything that comes out of the White House. As much as I admire them and think they're doing as good a job as anyone, if not better, um, they're jumping the gun on this. Now, there's a fascinating article on this, and you need to understand why it's important you listen to me. For, For one, I know a lot about uh, phytochemistry. I've studied it since graduate school. And initially, I was excited by the thought of using this synthetic analog of quinine. And then I looked more deeply, and the chloroquine, the hydroxychloroquine, the quinine, and related quinoline drugs can produce lasting neuropsychiatric effects. And the best article on this is from the Quinism Foundation. It's phenomenally interesting. The Quinism Foundation, which I didn't know existed, I did. I spent the whole day yesterday researching this one topic, and I was on the phone with top people around the country and in government on this issue virtually all day yesterday from my home. I don't want you jumping on this. Quinine. Dosage is very important because many of you are saying, oh, I got it. I'll go get uh, quinine water. You know, tonic water. You know, why do you think the British drank gin and tonics? What do you think tonic water was? Quinine, quinine water. Now, over time, the quinine water or tonic water uh, started to have less and less quinine in it. It was just a flavor. You can still find uh, tonic water out there that, that has significant amounts of quinine in it, by the way. I found yesterday, I bought a bunch of it. You must understand it can be neurotoxic. It can produce psychiatric effects in people. And this mad rush may spell disaster for people. And you have to read about it. You can do so by going to my website, michaelsavage.com, or to my Twitter feed, at a Savage Nation, where I linked the article on this. And without going into great details, you should know that the man who was behind the Not So Fast movement is a Dr. Remington Nevin, MD, MPH, Doctor of Philosophy, He's a Johns Hopkins trained psychiatric epidemiologist and drug safety expert and former U.S. Army public health physician. And he runs the Quinism Foundation. He says these are not safe drugs. He should be on President Trump's advisory committee. He should certainly be advising um, Fauci. Fauci may already have spoken to him. And what is it I'm warning you about? Well, I'll read what he says. Just a paragraph on it before you rush down this road. Make your own decision. Quote, in susceptible individuals, these drugs act as idiosyncratic neurotoxicants, potentially causing irreversible brain and brainstem dysfunction, even when used at relatively low doses, said Dr. Nevin. The drug-induced dysfunction causes a disease of the brain and brainstem called quinoline encephalopathy, or quinism, which can be marked acutely by psychosis, confusion, and risk of suicide, and by lasting psychiatric and neurological symptoms. 
You want me to go on? Symptoms of chronic quinoline encephalopathy include tinnitus, dizziness, vertigo, visual disturbances, nightmares, insomnia, anxiety, agoraphobia, paranoia, cognitive dysfunction, depression, personality change, and suicidal thoughts, among others, said Dr. Nevin. Quote, particularly among military veterans in whom these drugs have been widely used for decades as prophylactic antimalarials, these symptoms can mimic and be mistaken for those of post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury, unquote. This is phenomenally important, especially for the military uh, community. Dr. Never noted a recent report by an ad hoc committee of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine identified a critical need for additional research on the long-term effects of antimalarial quinolins. Dr. Nevin also emphasized that the Quinism Foundation has recently called on Congress to fund research into chronic quinoline encephalopathy. So before you rush to think it's the miracle drug or rush out and try to drink tonic water every day as a prophylactic, understand that there could be side effects even from tonic water if it has enough uh, quinine in it. And, uh, well, you should know that drinking several bottles of tonic water, which has quinine in it, will actually result in your consuming pharmaceutical quantities of quinine and could be potentially harmful amounts of these drugs. Tonic water in large enough amounts is a prescription medication masquerading as a cocktail mixture. So don't make any joke about it. There are adverse effects. That's why in this case... Dr. Fauci is far uh, more, more correct than the president is. You understand that? Very important you know that. But again, before we go down the road of should you use the quinine or methyl, the hydroxychloroquine, I want to again go back to something that you should know. How do these drugs actually work to uh, treat malaria? It's a one, two sentence thing. You don't have to have a degree in science to follow me. When the malarian, malaria plasmodium gets inside a cell, if you change the pH of the cell with a drug like chloroquine phosphate, the malaria cannot live. So what does it have to do with COVID-19? The same happens there. You change the pH of the cell and the virus cannot assemble. If the virus can't assemble, it cannot proliferate and can't affect, infect you. So it's about altering the pH of the cell in this case, with this common botanical of uh, anti-malarial drug uh, in in the form of a natural product, and then in the uh, synthetic analog of hydroxychloroquine. Now you say, well, how did they just, I'm just thinking about that. Where does this come from? What's Kinshona bark? Where did that come from? What is all of that about? Well, I did some reports on this earlier in the show today, right at the beginning of the show, if you missed any of it, it'll be on my podcast later on. I don't want to repeat myself for those who listen so, so avidly. I've also worked in medicinal chemistry laboratories as a graduate student. And my teacher, by the way, my professor, back in 1968, was the former chairman of one of the major pharmaceutical firms in America. He had left the laboratories. He had a year to go. A great man. I'm not going to mention his name because it's unimportant. But he taught me very well. He taught me how to extract compounds from plants because I was collecting plants in odd places of the South Pacific and then you bring them back to the labs and then you've got to take out the medicinal components of the plants and this is all gobbledygook to some of you but not so 
gobbledygookish to others. In a more generic sense, if you watch movies about the production of cocaine in the jungle, when you see a jungle lab owned by the drug drug peddlers, the drug makers, peddlers, those drug labs are doing basic medicinal chemistry. They're using toxic chemicals in the jungles to remove the alkaloid from the coca leaf that you like so much called cocaine, which is one of many alkaloids in the coca leaf. Same exact process, only in uh, laboratory settings, it's done quite differently and it's much more safe with less residual chemicals in the final product uh, of, of, the, uh, <clears throat> of the quinine from the Kinshona bark. One other point, because it comes, brings back so much of my life, I spent so many years of my life in odd places in the South Seas collecting medicinal plants in an attempt to find cures and this and that, and I'd send the plants back to the National Cancer Institute and then be in touch with them about what they were extracting. It was a very interesting part of my life. It it was basically a, a horrible journey. I had to sacrifice a lot of my life for my family. People said, why aren't you buying and selling real estate in Harlem, for example? Well, that's who I am, because I was always interested in helping the public rather than in helping myself. And it all worked out in the end anyway. At least right now, it's not over yet. We'll see where it all goes. But getting back to us, me and you, the savage nation, where does it leave us? It leaves us in a terrible place. At least maybe now, the people who can still think are seeing who the liberal governors like Newsom and Cuomo are who have jumped the shark on fascism. Without so much as a debate, without a legislator, Meeting with them, they woke up one morning and decided that the inner Mussolini shall live today. And they, with the stroke of a pen, took away our freedoms of assembly and our freedoms of travel. It's astonishing. These are the same loudmouths who said that Trump is the fascist. These are the same would-be presidents who think that by introducing fascism in California, New York, somehow it's going to launch them into the presidency. But what's most ironic to me is that the man that they call the fascist, Donald Trump, has not yet introduced a national lockdown. While these two liberal governors, if you want to call them liberal, it's, they're, they're the opposite of the word liberal. I've told, how many years have I told you liberalism is a mental disorder? Either they don't know what they're doing, either they don't see the context of what they're doing, they're being misadvised, or they're absolute fascists. In either case, we the people are now prisoners of their madness. And it happened without so much as a shot being fired, without one heated debate in the halls of Congress of uh, Sacramento or Albany. The people gave up their freedoms. It just shows you what weaklings Americans are. It just shows you that if a foreign power were watching this nation and they could see how easily the American sheeple are willing to give up their freedoms for fear of a bug, like in this case, the SARS COVID bug. My God, is that something for them to think about? I wonder what dictators around the world are thinking now when they see what scared rabbits the Americans are when it comes to disease and the fear of disease. But then again, I speculated on all of this in a fictional way in a book I published in 2015 called Countdown to Mecca. Say, oh, you're capitalizing on a disease. Well, no, the book is out of print. But if you have it in your bookshelf... I suggest you read Countdown to Mecca, where you will see what weaponized Ebola could do to a nation in that fictionalized account. 
So this whole idea of um, <clears throat> a disease, a disease-born illness being used by a foreign power to control our nation and what happens next is not foreign to me. It's very important you understand that globally, these governors are totally wrong, totally out of control, and they are not following common sense, nor are they practicing constitutional government. There are ways to control the spread of this virus short of fascism, and that would be quarantining those who are testing positive, those they have associated with, the homeless communities, and others that are in high-risk communities, of which there are not so many. That's one man's opinion. The Westwood One Podcast Network. 